let's get agreement that this is a strategic priority. That area of alignment and synergy can be very Looking important. The future, we're committed to expand valuation. time, there's still progress that needs to be made. This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Kelsey Waddell, Senior Editor of Healthpayer Intelligence and Multimedia Manager for Extelligent Healthcare Media. One in eight LGBTQ plus community members reported facing discrimination from their health insurance provider, according to a healthcare.com survey. While one in three respondents said that insurance coverage is improving for the LGBTQ plus community, Individuals also reported uncertainty about whether or not they would receive coverage for gender-affirming care, and many face serious medical debt. For seniors who have faced a lifetime of discrimination for their gender orientation or sexuality, these realities are particularly disheartening. I'm here with Dr. Sachin Jain, President and Chief Executive Officer of SCAN Health Plan, and Jill Selby. Senior Vice President of Product Development, Marketing, and Market Expansion at Scan Health Plan. And today we're going to talk about creating health plans that are designed to fit the needs of the LGBTQ plus community and how to advance health equity for this population. Thank you both for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for your interest, Kelsey. Yeah, thanks, Kelsey. Great. Well, Sasha, if we could just start out with you, can you tell us a bit about the story behind how the Scanaffirm plan came to be and what were some of the circumstances that motivated the launching, who was involved, and just sort of the general timeline to get us started? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, at Scan, we're exquisitely focused on the needs of older adults. And when we think about people who are now aging into Medicare, people who are older adults today, you realize that those are folks who came of age in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, and were people who in many ways lived in a time when there were a lot of different kinds of phobias. There was higher degrees of racism. There was higher degrees of gay and lesbian discrimination. And so many people who are now older adults live through certain kinds of traumas that fortunately current generations of young people won't necessarily have to contend with in their older years. They'll have to contend with other traumas, but what we're really here to talk about is today's seniors. And in the course of our product planning, we were very interested in starting to build a suite of products that really got to some unmet needs within the older adult population. And one of those unmet needs is really a product that serves the needs of older adults who were gay, lesbian, bisexual. And to Jill and her team's credit, they took this charge to build these products that meet the needs of specific communities and really honed in out of, I think, some personal interest and personal passion on the idea of building a product focused on this population and named it, it's probably the best name that we have for a product at Scan, which is they named it Affirm. And I think when we started it, we thought, you know, this will send an important signal to the community, but we weren't necessarily sure that we would be celebrating a whole bunch of sales just because how do you really market a product that's specifically focused on the LGBTQ plus population? Is this something that people would be excited to buy or would they want just a general Medicare Advantage product? But to our great excitement, over 300 people as of today have actually signed up for this product. And what I'm hoping is that we're going to be a trendsetter here and that other companies will look at what we're doing and say, not only is there a great business opportunity here, but there's also an opportunity to truly serve and affirm a generation of older adults who, you know, honestly came of age at a time where they needed to be ashamed about who they are. And here we are today saying, you don't have to be ashamed of who you are. In fact, we actually have things 
that are built you know, specifically for you that are actually oriented around addressing your specific needs. And so I'm just really proud of, of this effort. I'm, and I'm really proud of you know, everything that um, you know, we're accomplishing. I, I'll say one other thing about it before I turn it over to Jill, which is that the biggest advocates for this plan have been our LGBTQ plus employees, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, we started an internal you know, employee resource group. And it's actually members of that resource group that are attending community fairs, that are attending events and building the visibility for this product that we were hoping to see. And then I'd also like to just thank some of our broker partners, you know, a few of whom really gave us courage to build this product. I'll just name one in particular, a guy named Michael Blea, who said that this was going to be something that was not only going to be important, but it was also going to be something that was going to be commercially viable. And I think he's helped us to really gain visibility in this community. So it's been Super exciting for us, Kelsey. Yeah, and you know, if I could just put a fine point on Sachin's comment about have enrolling over 300 members to be exact. So as of December 1st, which I can't hardly believe it's December, but we have 315 newly enrolled members into a firm. But one of the things that we discovered is that of our existing 274,000 members, almost 100 of those have switched from a current scam product into a firm. So we're super excited. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Sounds like it's really picking up steam. But Jill, you know, I know there's a lot of challenges that are associated with just starting a new plan in general. And then of course, starting one that is so specifically tailored for a specific population. Could you talk through some of those challenges that you faced in in getting this LGBTQ plus senior health plan off the ground? Yeah. I mean, we didn't really look at them as challenges. We looked at them as goals. We knew we had to, as such and say, there were a lot of unmet needs in this community. And we know that there's a lot of statistics around healthcare for the LGBTQ plus population. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the SAGE website, but they're an advocacy group for older LGBTQ elders. And when you look at the statistics, you know, there's a high incidence rate of depression within the LGBTQ community. I even saw a statistic that said 39% of people contemplated suicide, which is just a really scary number. Isolation, they're single, they live alone. They're less likely to have children. I take care of my parents. I mean, you know, if you don't have children to look at to help you as you age, it's a really scary thing. So we took those statistics and basically said, okay, how are we going to tackle these in a product and plan design? So we were really thoughtful in putting something on paper that just wasn't shiny objects, but really were meaningful to the LGBTQ plus community and, and made them feel like, hey, this is a product that speaks to me. And is going to meet the needs that I have as someone in the healthcare space trying to get equitable access to care. You know, one of the things we put on this product, which we don't typically tagline any of our products, they have a name, but this one actually has a tagline and it says creating a dignified health journey because we want them to have the same type of healthcare experience that anyone has, whether they're LGBTQ plus or not. Sachin, anything to add to that? No, I think Jill kind of nailed it. I think the main thing I'm focused on now is how do we actually build community among our members, right? So these are folks who now have self-identified as having LGBTQ plus specific healthcare needs. I think one of the most important needs, again, for this older adult population is really community. And so I'm starting to think about how do we actually build events, you know, build gathering forums, you know, to actually enable higher degrees of togetherness and social connection among, again, a population of people who 
for all kinds of, you know, unfortunate reasons, experienced a lot of unfortunate discrimination, uh, social isolation. And so I'm hoping that we at SCAN can really help facilitate golden years that are really meaningful for people and truly golden. (laughs) So we've kind of touched on a couple of different aspects that make this sort of plan unique, but I'd love to dive in a little bit more specifically to what is the difference between this plan and a more traditional Medicare Advantage plan, or to speak about it a bit more generally, what makes a plan designed for the LGBTQ plus community? So, you you know, it has all the things that a traditional Medicare Advantage plan has. Number one, we have to, but also everybody wants the typical coverage that comes with a Medicare Advantage plan. Okay, but back to some of those statistics that I cited to you earlier, there's five very unique kind of like leading differentiators in this product. If someone was looking at Scanaffirm versus one of our other products, let's call it Scan Classic. So the first is, as I mentioned around that depression, we offer access to virtual behavioral health um, with affirming providers in that space that don't require the member to go through a primary care referral process. Basically, they can just schedule an appointment, have this virtual visit as often as they like for as long as they need it at no cost, because we want to make sure we're there to support them and address some of those behavioral mental health needs. The second thing that we did, as I mentioned, you know, the isolation and the loneliness, lack of a kind of a social support circle, we offer companionship services that go into the home, which is a lot different than some of the things we're seeing in Medicare Advantage today, which is more around, you know, activities of daily living, helping you bathe and clean. It's not that. It's having someone maybe go to the movies with you or watch, you know, the, the most popular Netflix show that's on today or play check. It's that kind of interaction. The third thing, which is very important, is if someone does have an individual in their life, a relationship that has not been committed legally, we want them to get the right legal documents in place so that their loved one can make healthcare decisions on their behalf when they are unable to. And oftentimes people kind of find that barrier at a very awkward point in time. We want to get them to address that and get those documents up front. So we've got a legal reimbursement benefit. We also have, in terms of our prescription drug benefit, we know that there are certain prescriptions that are important to the community. And so for those drugs that are in a specific, we call it a tier, but think of it like a grouping, we have lowered the out-of-pocket cost for those particular drugs. And examples of those would be hormone replacement drugs. Um, There are some HIV drugs, as well as a drug called PrEP that is very popular in the community. And so we wanted to make that a meaningful, distinguishable benefit um, for those individuals um, in the plan. And so those are examples of things where, again, we tried to address what are the gaps, what are the unmet needs, how could an individual looking at this plan see is this product speaking to me? And we've gotten really good feedback. In fact, the product hasn't launched. It goes live 1123. 
but we've already heard from those 300 members that they have some ideas and some suggestions for us when we think about incorporating new things into the product in 2024. I just want a little follow-up question. You've been talking a bit about statistics and about the data that informs this. How else do you kind of come to this list of different benefits? It sounds like you're getting feedback. Can you talk to me a bit about what that process looks like? Well, I think that what's super cool is we now have, you know, hopefully we'll have 500 of these members before long, right? We will now have a focus group of people who we can ask and say, what would be the things that actually matter to you? And I think, you know, it's really important when you're doing benefit design to stay really humble because you can actually oftentimes put yourselves in the shoes of someone and not realize that you're actually missing a big part of the picture. Mm. And, and the truth is, is that, you know, this is the beginning of a journey, not, not the end. And our orientation is to actually be super humble and listen to our members as we always do and try to incorporate some of the insights that we learn from them into benefits that are actually meaningful for them. We're talking about benefits, but the other part of the design, which was very intentional, was around access to care and making sure that there is a fit with the member and their provider, their PCP, their specialist. And, you know, oftentimes, again, I hate to keep going back to statistics, but <laughs> it opens our eyes Definitely. that a lot of people are avoiding care because they don't feel like when they access normal, traditional routine care that they're being treated equitably. And what's ending up happening is that they have a greater propensity and usage of the emergency room because they don't feel comfortable to get that care. So we'll be working with them to help identify if the provider they're with today isn't quite a fit, a provider that can provide that affirming care for them. And also anyone can say, oh, sure, you know, we love everybody. We're going to treat any member that comes our way. It's clinical competency in understanding how to treat the unique healthcare needs of this community. So with our partner in this product, we are working through our directory and through a pretty rigorous process, we're taking not only the doctors, but also the office staff mm. through kind of a screening process to say, are you an affirming clinically competent provider? And you'll be able to see actually in the scan provider directory, a designation on providers who meet that level of criteria. And so if a member were to call in or even someone who's thinking about joining scan, they could see that in our directory or our customer service team, if they said, I need assistance, you know, getting kind of directed to a new doctor, can you help me? We then can quickly go to those. So it's the benefits, but it's also making sure we get them into that affirming clinically competent care. Great. Um, I am curious, I know that virtual care is a part of this plan and about how you address that, you know, access to care and ensuring that that is facilitated. Could you, Jill, just go a little bit into what role virtual care plays in the plan's design? Sure. So, you know, ever since the pandemic, virtual care has kind of been like the thing. <laughs> so through their medical group, every member is assigned to a primary care doctor and those medical groups, you know, can offer either in office visits or virtual care. So that's one. The second 
second, as I mentioned earlier, is the behavioral health, which is virtual access. And what's really unique about that is because we can control the panel of providers that serve the members in that platform. Over 60% of those behavioral health providers are LGBTQ community members themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that this way, those people are speaking kind of peer to peer. And then thirdly, we just have another option for telehealth or virtual care, which is more like, you know, gosh, I have a pain on my side. I don't feel like going, you know, down the street to the urgent care in the corner. I'm going to call and go to virtual care here. So, you know, while we want our members, all of our members, no matter who they are, to have a active and healthy relationship with their primary care doctor, which hopefully does include some FaceTime, there are lots of virtual options for people Mm -hmm. to access care. Excellent. Um, And just as we wrap up here, such an, in this season of healthcare strategies, one of the overarching themes of our, of our conversations is health equity. And obviously our conversation today is very much aligned just in its nature with, with that kind of a conversation. But I want to just kind of address it more directly here. I'm curious, when you think about the future of health insurance coverage for the LGBTQ plus community, what are some of the key broader changes that you think payers need to prioritize in order to improve health equity for this population? Yeah, I mean, look, I think they're not a very well understood population. The people who are in charge of large health insurance companies, large healthcare organizations, oftentimes grew up in times when there was a lot of stigma associated with the population mm-hmm. and people didn't speak as freely as they do today about you know, their specific needs. And so as a result, I think we're poorly organized as an industry to be really responsive to the needs of the LGBTQ plus population, just because I think there, there was this kind of tabooness about this population and their specific needs. My hope is that we're beginning a conversation about how do you serve the older adult population that's LGBTQ plus? How do we actually solve, you know, their social isolation, their behavioral health issues, their specific medication issues, their specific infectious disease issues. And I think health inequities were not created in a day. They're not going to be solved in a day. Many of the you know biases that create challenging experiences for people of all different groups are hundreds, if not thousands of years old. And so I believe that our job at SCAN is to bend the arc of society more in the direction of health equity, more in the direction of justice that said, you know, we're just one part of a much broader ecosystem. We're a health plan. And even within our health plan, people are going to be touching our supplemental benefits providers. They're going to be talking, they're going to be with our primary care doctors, our specialists. And unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, there's still a lot of bias. We actually had one health system say that they weren't going to participate in the plan. They just didn't feel like it was necessarily part of their mission. Again, I think that's more the exception than it is the rule. But it's a good reminder that I think this type of stigma still really exists and that I think there are real people who are on the other end of that stigma. And so, you know, I think Jill and I see our jobs as just trying to make the world a little bit more fair, recognizing that it's an unfair world. And so we're hopeful that by actually giving voice to this issue, you know, all of the partners that we work with in the community will will not only step back and say, oh, well, we need to do better because it's the right thing to do, but they may actually do something different, which is they may say, we need to do better because there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity here for my organization. And so if we can't appeal to their you know, kind of morality, we can at least appeal to their sense of business performance and success. 
this product has been in design for a long time and I still get butterflies talking about it because it's so exciting and, you know, Sachin's points are super well taken and we've heard from providers, from brokers, from seniors alike. This is brilliant. You know, why hasn't anybody done this before? Yeah. And the other thing I'll just say is, you know, this is not, this is not our only hit. We got more stuff coming. <laughs> got a sneak peek behind the curtain. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you both for coming on today and for sharing your insights. This has been an incredible conversation, one that I've been looking forward to for a while. So thank you both. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kelsey. Appreciate the opportunity. Listeners, we would love to hear your insights on this topic as well. So if you have any thoughts that you would like to share or any questions or topics that you think that we should cover in future episodes, please reach out to me at kwadill at intelligentmedia.com. That's K-W-A-D-D-I-L-L at intelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts. And also don't forget to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Thanks for listening. This has been an Excelligent Healthcare Media production. 